Welcome back to Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Pastor Ken Jones, and joining me here in our weekly discussion is Pastor Aldo Leon, uh, Pastor David Menendez, and Pastor Jose Prado. Now, in our last session, we were talking about original sin, and uh, David, you did a great job of defining uh, original sin from three vantage points. In the first place, it refers to the original sinful actions of God's image bearers, Adam and Eve. Secondly, it refers to the corruption of their nature as the result of that sinful deed. And then thirdly, it refers to the condition that has been passed on to all of the the progeny of Adam and Eve. So therefore, we are born, according to the scriptures, into a sinful condition, which means we are unable and unwilling to do what God requires us to do in his law. The reason we're unable is because we're unwilling. There's a guy named Jonathan Edwards who said there's a difference between natural ability and moral ability and we're not naturally able to do things because we're morally unable in the sense like it's almost like someone being in a chair they can get out of the chair but they refuse to get out of the chair because they're just so angry and frustrated that they can't get out so they 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 can't because they won't we are morally unable and therefore naturally unable to do anything so when we talk about then the nature we're talking about a nature that is just rebellious yeah, yeah, against yeah. the natural yeah, God. You know, what, what, is it, what does it say in Romans 8? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, yes. for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And obviously it doesn't, can't. by saying it's not subject, doesn't right. mean that it's not supposed to be mm-hmm. subject. But in its thinking, because uh, one of our programs in the past, the, the term was used autonomy. And autonomy literally means a law unto oneself. So therefore, in our rebellious state, we oppose our law, the law of self against the law of God. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the way we don't submit to the law of God. Exactly. Well, and and that's why that's such a good point to make, Aldo, that when we speak of inability, it's you, you have to flesh that out in terms of our unwillingness. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think some, yeah, because sometimes when we talk about these things, the idea I often hear people say is like, there's a bunch of sinners who really want mm-hmm. to do right, yeah. and they really want God, and God just says no. Yeah. That's never the case. There's a bunch of people who can't because they don't want, and God, by grace, enables sinners to do what they wouldn't do or couldn't do, but it's not like a bunch of people want to do right, well, want to be with God, and then God just kind of says, well... Well, two passages, one in the Psalms where it says, make your people willing in the day of your power. Mm -hmm. And then also in Philippians where Paul says, it is God who is at work in you, causing you to both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Or when Paul gives a definition of Gentiles, Mm -hmm. you know, in Ephesians 4, he says that they were callous and ignorant. But he says because of their hardness of heart. So it it wasn't like they just didn't know, you know, it it, it was the fact that they were hard-hearted. Now, in this idea of willingness, do desires and affections play into that? Because we hear, you know, one of the things we hear is um, love, let's say. You know, Mm -hmm. love is not not just an affection, but it's just 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 the will. It's just doing. You just will yourself to love. Yeah. The best definition I've heard from the will, and I love this, Jonathan Edwards. Yeah, mind choosing. Yeah, he says the will is nothing more than the mind choosing. So it's not a separate, independent 
aspect right. of our being or part of yeah. our being. Yeah. The will is will nothing don't more. Will. Yeah, the, People the, the will, will is, yeah. the, is nothing more than the mind choosing, and the mind always chooses what it perceives to be of the highest good, right. but its perception of good is yeah. according to its nature. Absolutely. Right. So if the will is corrupt, if the if yeah. the nature is corrupt, yeah. then the then the desires will be corrupt. Yeah. You so can, you're saying then the liking, desires, affections play into the equation of willing. Yeah, yeah, because the the will is the mind again, the mind right. choosing, right. and the mind's choice is always yeah. what, whatever we yeah. do. It's because we, we want love, to right. do we it. Love it. Yeah. The reason yeah. I said that is because we've seen this dichotomy uh, in evangelical circles: the separation between the heart and the mind and the will yes. and affections yeah. where, you know, we are, if we just will ourselves to yeah. holiness, you know, no matter and, whether and, we delight in that or not, whether there's affections that go along with that or not, then we are submitting yeah, to right. God's law. But, but again, philosophically, <laughs> yeah. what you they're what doing, yeah they, yeah, they don't understand how they're holding two yeah. things that are complete yeah. opposites. Yeah. You, Unless your will is changed, right. you'll never desire holiness. Right, right. Mm -hmm. so, so to say yeah, yeah. to say that, I mean, it's a big oxymoron. Yeah. All you have to do is will. Yeah. And, well, that's yeah. my problem. Right. What right. I will. <laughs> so the, our state yeah. of corruption is such that we don't desire. We don't have. Exactly. Right. We, exactly. We're not oriented towards yeah. holy things. Yeah, we, no matter how much people tell us right. what is good and right, we love other things so dearly. Yeah. And therefore, because we treasure and value yeah. things, right. it doesn't matter how much people tell you, like, this is good and this is what you should do. You, you end up just acting in accordance with what you love, even when you do the right thing. So, for example, yeah. you tell somebody, don't cheat on your wife. Um, and if they actually don't cheat on their wife, when they're thinking about cheating on their wife, they still may love and treasure mm -hmm. you know, something else or someone else. Yeah. And so they may not do it, but they right. still are having a preference for something and so they're yeah. acting a, against what they really desire and so they're just they're just so they, they may not actually go to bed with another woman but they have that desire yeah, for yeah. It. right yeah. and is that and, a and sin is that considered yes. sin okay. yeah, yeah. yeah jesus yeah. seems to think yeah. so you know and, and, and we know and we know that i yeah. mean any guy whose wife tells him like i don't want to be into with you at all you repulse me but i'm going to do it because you ask we'll never yeah. think that that's a sign that's a good thing. Yeah. She's doing her duty. But we do that with God, you know. Yeah. Like I, I cannot. Yeah. I, Christianity is me begrudgingly doing all these things that I can't right. stand, right. which are good. Well, the reason why we're talking about this is because the gospel is the only thing that actually yes. moves right. your affections and That's your desires right. to be right. different. Right. Well, to then begin to do things from the freedom of what you really desire and yeah. and, and appreciate, as opposed to like this this entire idea that Christianity is just you know, kind of guilting and shaming and pressing people to do a bunch of moral things that they cannot, they yeah, don't want to do. Yeah, it's not about moral transformation. Sure. Right. We should right. say right. here then mm -hmm. that, that sin is not just those sinful behaviors that we commit, but it also applies to the sinful desires Absolutely. that we carry with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at that very fundamental level, we must establish our sinfulness and our corruption. It's these desires that the law forbids, mm. thou shalt not desire after yeah. this, 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 and that. Yeah, because the law yeah. of God is pervasive, right. just like the corruption of our nature is right. pervasive, yeah. includes all of us. Well, God's law governs all of how we are to think, how we are to speak, and what we are to do, and what we are to feel. 
part of our fallen nature as we return to that broader discussion of understanding and defining the fallen nature, which is the condition from which our sinful actions flow. Uh, it's been described historically as, I think it was Luther, that speaks of the will as in our fallen nature, we are born in, with the will inclined towards self. self. Yeah. Man is curved in yes. himself. That's yeah, what yeah. Man is said. curved right. in right. on himself. Yeah. Right. So therefore, in regeneration, mm -hmm. yes, we are renewed at the level of the inner man. It doesn't mean that we perform all that we are to do. That's what faith does. It attaches us to one who does. Right, right. Or so, who has. Yeah, yeah. I think, so, I, yeah, go ahead. I think that's something really important because now we're kind of, I guess we're transitioning into the redeemed new person in Christ and how we see, you know, the sin issue that we have. Scripture never says that God makes you a new creation. It says it makes you a new creation in Christ. Exactly. That's, That's good. very different. That That's means that very my newness yeah. is all about identifying, mm. a, being attached to, right. inscribed by, defined by, a righteous Christ, it's not like I, I become this new entity in myself made yes. by someone else. Yes. I become a new ent entity in somebody else, mm -hmm. which is why, you know. So I, it's not that I'm curved in and I just need to go yeah. to the gym and practice some stretch ups or yeah. enough of uh, some <laughs> exercises so that I will not be as curved in anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, so yeah, it's, uh, it's in relationship to someone yeah. that uh, we are. There's transformation yeah. that takes place. I, yeah, I think John 15 is a good, a good yes. picture of what it means to be a new creation. It's somebody who has nothing in themselves that clings to somebody, and by, by virtue of clinging and trusting and laying hold of what someone else has, they produce their character in and through you. Right. So, right. you know, it's my job to look yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. It's Jesus' job to basically imitate himself through me trusting in him. I think God is much better at imitating himself as we cling to him <laughs> than we are at Im yeah. imitating himself through just kind of observation from the outside. But we do hear the command, imitate Christ, yet mm. yeah. we immediately think that this is something that I can do. Yeah, I, I, right. I, I, I think, I know, I know you like John Owens. John yes. Owens said something I think was really helpful. Assimilation precedes imitation. That's good. Well, and John Owen also speaks of the importance of the doctrine of union with Christ. Yes. That, to your point, Aldo, and, that's, and I think this is what gets missed, even in understanding the objectivity of the gospel, that our life is hidden in Christ. And so the doctrine of union with Christ, it locates us in Christ. Right. He's not yeah. just our federal head. Right. And he's not, he doesn't indwell us as, a, as, as an individual by virtue of his Holy Spirit. He lays claim on us mm -hmm. so that we are so identified in Christ right. that we are one with him. Our affections are his yeah. affections. His righteousness is our righteousness. So much so that Paul could say in Ephesians, you are seated, present tense, mm -hmm. in heavenly places right. in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, so that, that's so important because so much of the, I think what Prada was saying is like this kind of like, okay, I'm a new creature in Christ, um, you know, and that means that I'm just now, I, I now just naturally in myself have all these abilities to will good and to do good. Um, 
that that new nature needs to be understood yes. in light of I think statements like you know Galatians two twenty, the life I now live in the yeah, flesh. That's good. The that's new good. life I yes. now live in the flesh. I live yeah. by faith. faith in the new nature. Yes. No faith, faith in the new creation. No, no, no. no. Faith, faith in the Son of God yeah. who loved me and gave Himself for me. Yeah. So that 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 new mm-hmm. new nature, which is truly new and different, is all about clinging to yeah. a new Adam that you now are in and trust. Not about. I think sometimes we talk about. Uh, the new life is almost like we have faith in the new life. Yeah. Yes. You yeah. have, you, but yes. that's the new life is always oriented away from yourself yeah. to the the new Christ, the new Adam, the the second Adam, the last Adam that you are in. Yeah. That's my life. That's my new life. And backing it up again to put it in historical perspective again, when we go back to the Middle Ages, and by Middle Ages I'm looking at pre-Reformation mm-hmm. Roman Catholic, uh, you know, um, because of this idea of um, salvation in terms of being infused with grace, mm-hmm. receiving but through the Holy Spirit in the best of cases, the, cre- uh, the, the, the uncreated grace of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that now comes into me, then I am able now to cooperate with Him yeah. right. so that I become more righteous, holier, right. Right. And as a result of that, then I become more sanctified. And in the case of Roman Catholicism, eventually, you know, that's a process of justification yeah. for them. It's a process before God where the Holy Spirit is granted. In the case, in the best of cases, I say that because of Augustine, uh, it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. In the worst of cases, it's a reference now to an Aristotelian category of an ability, a creative virtue that mm. now mediates between me and God for God to accept me. Mm. Yeah. So those categories yeah. of something that I have, something that I get, something yeah. that I work with, yeah. I think really has derailed us. And I think you just brought up something that I, I think uh, is really, you know, even like the idea that the Christian life is about getting better and improving, mm. um, I don't see that in the Bible at all. What I see in the Bible is the Christian life is about Re-identifying with death, burial, and resurrection, which then produces Boy, that's good. morality. Right. Yeah, that's I, good. I don't need to come to church to be motivated to morality. I need to come mm-hmm. to church to re-experience historic death, burial, and resurrection in Christ, which then produces everything else. Has the power to change you know, and, trans- and well, transform. It, it's interesting that the language of sanctification, yeah. especially mm-hmm. in much of Paul's writings, is the language of death. Right. Put yeah. to death, death the, the deeds of the flesh. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's a language of, of reckoning, reckoning, right. considering. I wanted to bring up okay. uh, one verse here that speaks to that. Uh, it's in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 where it says, But we all with unveiled face, mm. beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So I think uh, key here is it's not so much that we are cooperating and doing something through an ability and a power that we have, Mm -hmm. but it's by being placed in front of someone that we continually behold, that we continually receive uh, from Him His light, that we then become like a mirror, image bearer. Beholding, beholding. 
become right. I guess the, the question then that, that could be raised, and per, perhaps legitimately so, and you may, you may mention of one of the, the passages, what, what do you do with passages that talk about being imitators sure. of Christ? Yeah. Or passages that talk about growth? Sure. Because we're not, mm -hmm. you know, one doesn't want to give the impression yeah. that there is no way, there's no area of growth. Yeah. Or even Peter's words, add to your faith virtue and yeah. add to your, you know, and so yeah. on. Yeah. So how, how do we answer every, those? Yeah, I, every, I would say that, we're, 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 you know, what we're talking about is not really being against growth or being against, you know, the Christian uh, um, you know, growing in his, in, you know, transformation. In, in transformation. Mm -hmm. uh, what we're talking about is that heavy focus on the outward yeah. uh, behaviors of yeah. Christians mm -hmm. as a way of saying, okay, this, this man is, is being sanctified. Right. Uh, as opposed to focusing more uh, or leading people to, to more of, a, of like thinking about our mode of sanctification, which is faith. What we need to focus on is Christ. Do we find ourselves in Christ? Do we find ourselves dependent on Christ? Do we find ourselves trusting Christ? You know, because many people can, can change morally, right. outwardly. Right. right. And many things can change and influence your outward behavior. Yes. And I think another thing in light of what, what Ken just said is you tell me every passage you talk about, about growth, show me the context of that passage mm -hmm. and I will show you gospel. Amen. So, yes. so, so even first, even second Peter, add to this this what's the problem with the people in first peter why are they not adding faith to virtue why because they've forgotten the cleansing of their sins right right that's their problem that's what you know, we're saying romans yeah. romans 6 paul talks yeah. about therefore put to death what is in your earthly members but yeah. he says for you know the first verses of that chapter you know you were crucified with christ right. yep you were buried with him yep and you were raised with him and the same thing in, in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, put to death the deeds of the flesh. But Colossians 1 opens by telling you, you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You are heirs and joint heirs with Christ, and you have forgiveness of sins. Yeah. So we touched about this in yeah. past episodes, is the fact that we, we alienate a certain, yes. a certain passage or yeah. scripture, and, and, and that's where we point people to, yeah. instead of pointing them to... I mean, the, the numerous he, he, scriptures not, that, not, that, that just point us to Christ. Here's another example. You look at a book like Romans, okay? And, you know, you see 12 and, you know, verses 3 all the way to 16. There's a lot of things about loving and doing right and, 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 and you know, serving and, you know, government, you know, and all this stuff. But there's like a, there's a transitional foundational part of that whole book that says, Therefore, I urge you by the mercies of exactly. God, meaning, that, me, meaning yeah. that 11 chapters of yeah. doctrinal, historic, Christ-centered, cross-centered truth is the way that anything happens. And so the second that you divorce the foundation and root of mercies that enable you to therefore do anything, you basically talk about all those things in yeah. a way which Scripture doesn't talk about. You never, the Roman church never sat down and didn't hear the whole book of Romans read. Yeah, right. yeah. You know? And by the way, the mercies that he is pleading you towards, that's the basis of the renewed mind that he speaks of in verse 2. Yes. What is it that's supposed to, conf that we are, that's supposed to transform our thinking? It's the mercies that you have received. Yes. Which, which, going back to the idea of sin then, if sin is something that I do, then grace is given me to stop doing it. 
wow. the words. It, it's given me so that I will stop doing something by an ability that I now have by the Spirit. As I yield to the Spirit. Yeah. But if sin is a condition that I will always have for the rest of my life here in the side of eternity, then grace is not something that fundamentally is given to me for change. Yeah. First and foremost. I'm yeah. not saying there's no change. Yeah. 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 But what I'm saying is that grace is given to me not for change first, but for forgiveness. Yes. For recovering. Because yes. what do you do with a condition that cannot be changed? Yeah. Here's a challenge for today's yeah. church. What do you do with a condition that cannot be changed? But How I think do you in change? That, that first example, you just gave the blueprint of what most contemporary evangelicals think is the Christian life. That's right. That's right. You so, just explained it perfectly in a nutshell. If yes. grace then is God's attitude by which he covers me with forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ through the sacrifice of Christ, mm -hmm. then, and that I receive through faith. That's not something, that's yeah. something I trust daily. Yeah. Then I am transformed mm. through that trusting, yes. yeah. through that believing. Through yeah. that confessing, through that faith. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's what you'll find. That's what you'll find consistently again and again. Is you know, I think sometimes at our church we, we get we'll get accused of uh, being people that like act and speak and teach in such a way that promotes god right. godlessness. Right. And when Scripture says very explicitly, very consistently, all the time, you know, Titus 2.11, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, teaching us to renounce ungodliness and to live soberly yeah. in this present evil age. Mm -hmm. Grace does that. Right. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Grace. What, yeah. what kind of grace? Yeah. The grace outside of you, in spite of you, historically yes. in a person who is righteous for you, that grace transforms people. Amen. The person, The person who tries to transform people hmm. by directly targeting moral righteousness is not concerned about holiness. No. Right? They're not. They're if grace, false teachers of righteousness, Paul yeah, says in Corinthians. Yeah. And, and, and this, this, is, this is the problem that we have as people. The reason why we're so resistant to the power and centrality of grace to be championed is because we are so convinced that we're okay. Yes. Yeah. We have so much yeah. confidence yes. in ourselves and therefore when somebody exalts the achievements of somebody else, mm. we begin to be skeptical about yeah. it, begin to question it, and then begin to add too much of ourselves. Well, you know? and, and this, again, it goes back to some things that we've talked about, and we'll be hopefully uh, fleshing out those categories. One, that sin is a condition. So really understanding what we have inherited from Adam. Union with Christ. That's also critical. What is meant by union with Christ? Our union with Christ means that his victory is our victory, his death is our death, which is the logic and language of Romans 6, right. and his acceptance is our acceptance. That's right. So that's what we're going to be looking at. I, I hope and pray that uh, as you're listening to us out there, that you're not hearing guys that are just talking about theoretical. We're talking about the reality of the Christian life as we live it in Christ, taking very seriously our sins our most recent sins, those that, that linger to us, so that we could try to wrap our feeble minds around the greatness of God's grace. And it's not until we understand how wretched we are that we can fully appreciate how great 
grace is. Thanks, guys. Uh, listen again next week to Saints and Sinners Unplugged. Amen.